Again, we have a we have a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Ayin Bays. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank, to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of ER. To thank Jonah and Shushi Ehrenfeld for dedicating all of the shiurim and drashos this month in memory of Jonah's grandfather, Yosef Ben Shmuel Aaron Zechron Levracha, Benjamin and Elise Wall for dedicating the shiurim and drashos this month in memory of Moshe Chaim Ben Tzvi Hirsch Zechron Levracha. Our week of learning sponsors, Dr. Shmuel Rabin Karapkin, and commission of the first yard site of Shmuel's father, Leonard Karapkin, Lipa Ben Yecheskelakoin. They have learning sponsor, Naor and Chani Simchi, Leilui Nishmas, Chaya Malka, Bas Moshe Zalmin, Halivi, Zichrona Livracha. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah and the families a Nechama. And also with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Ayin Beis 72. We are picking up on Ayin Aleph Amud Beis 71b. And we left off, we left off, let's actually pick up at Amar Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Bina, which is kind of in the middle of Amud Beis. It is, if you see Tosus, if you see Tosus Lonitna Priya, Priyas Mila, it's right across in there in the Gemara, about four lines down. I'm Rabbi Yochan, I'm sure I'm Rabbi But say, again, we, we began this case yesterday, but let's just pick up from here again. RL, so we'll say, remember again, RL is our topic, because Halacha Lamaisa, we were talking about the Mishnah that said that a Kohen who is an RL cannot consume Truma. So continuing along this same theme, I'm Rabbi Yochan, I'm Rabbi Yochan said in the name of Rabbi Bina, RL Mekabal Hazor. An interesting case here, both sides. An RL, someone who is uncircumcised, can become tar through the sprinkling of the ashes of the para aduma. So just to be clear, we're going to talk about two cases in today's daf. One is where the RL is the sprinkler, and one is where the RL is the, I don't know, sprinkly, you know, that's the, uh, the receiver, right? So in this case, we're talking about the fact that you have an RL who became Tame Tomas Mace, the only way to go ahead and purify oneself from contracting Tumas Mace, corpse tuma, is through the sprinkling of the waters of the Paraduma. So what the Gemara is describing over here is the following case. You have a guy who's an RL. You have a guy who's an RL, and, but he became Tame Tumas Mace. So apparently the Havamina is, you would have thought that because he's an RL, perhaps he cannot go ahead and overcome his Tumas Mace. Kamash Malon, even though he's an RL, you could sprinkle on him from the ashes of the para aduma. They will say, how do we know this? How do we know this? So the Gemara says, if you take a look, first of all, look at Rashi just a moment. Arel, Yisrael shenitma b'meis, mekabal hazor, mitar mitumaso. So if a person who's an Arel became, became Tomei, you could sprinkle on him in order to remove his tumas mace. Ukishiyamol, enotzarech lachzor, ulahazos, v'ochol b'kachim. And I will say, now here's what's interesting. After he has his bris milah, you don't say that he has to repeat the sprinkling. So again, we don't say that someone who has the sprinkling done when he is an RL, that that sprinkling is ineffective. And I will say, how do we know this? This is incredible because we see this with our ancestors. Our ancestors were Arelim, they were uncircumcised but yet they were sprinkled with the waters of the para aduma in their uncircumcised state, and they became tahar from Tomas Mace. Where do we see this? It was in Sefer Yoshua. Shinamar, Va'am, Alum min hayardin be'esar lachodesh, the nation, Jewish people, 
came across the Jordan on the tenth. Excuse me, on the tenth of the first month. So Cloud Israel comes in Teret Israel on the tenth of Nisan. So Baasar Lamali, now they could not circumcise on the tenth of Nisan. Why couldn't they circumcise? Mishum Because ultimately we're gonna discuss there's a concept, there's a concept of a person is weakened from a journey and therefore cannot circumcise, cannot circumcise on the day of the journey. We'll say, by the way, we find this also with Moshe Rabbeinu, right? The fact that Moshe Rabbeinu waited to circumcise his son. I remember again, is that whole episode where the Malach swallows up Moshe. Moshe has a whole calculation also about not circumcising the journey. So again, so therefore, 10th of the month, when they come into Eretz they're not circumcising. So the Gemara says, well, let's analyze this. Hazos, so now, what does that mean? So when, when did they circumcise, right? When did they circumcise? Sometime after the 10th. It's sometime after the 10th. When? We'll see. So then, Rabosai, remember again, what's, what's going on over here? Now, they have to have circumcised before when? Before when? Before the 14th. Because remember, again, they have to eat carbon Pesach. So remember again, so Pesach is four days later. You're going to shech the carbon Pesach on the 14th. That day already, they have to be circumcised. So they're circumcising sometime between the 10th and the 14th, well, not the 10th, between the 11th and the 14th. Now watch this. In addition, I was saying, the Jews who came into Eretz Yisrael had Tumas Meis, as we'll discuss in just a moment. They were telling Tumas Meis. Tumas Meis requires sprinkling the Paraduma. It is a seven-day purification process. And sprinkling must be done when? When? Days three and days seven. So the Gemara says, Hazah imas avid lahu. So we'll say, so let's play this out. If they're coming in on the 10th and they can't circumcise, the earliest they can circumcise is when is on the 11th, is on the 11th, and sprinkling has to be done on days three and day seven. By definition, what does that tell us? What does that tell us? That they're getting sprinkled with the waters of Paraduma while they are still uncircumcised, or at least one of the sprinklings is being done while they are still uncircumcised. So the Gemara says, mm-hmm. It must be that they're being sprinkled with the waters while they are still arelim. Now, I both say, so again, remember, the Gemara is backing into this. First of all, the Gemara is presupposing that the Jews were not circumcised. We'll discuss how we know that in just a moment. Let's take that as fact. Claudius was coming in on the 10th of the month, 10th of the month. They're uncircumcised. They can't have brismila on day 10, because that's the day of the journey. The earliest they're having it is day, day 11. Day 11. They have to offer up Karba Pesach and be circumcised by day number 14. They also need to be sprinkled with waters of Para Aduma, which requires a seven-day purification process with sprinklings on day 3 and day 7, which means that at least, at least, one of the sprinklings is being done in an uncircumcised state. This tells the, this gives proof to the fact that Gimara says that Allah Orel can be sprinkled with the waters of Paraduma. So Gimara says, one second. Vidumala Ovid Pesach Klau. How do you know? Maybe they just didn't do Karim Pesach that year. In other words, maybe they didn't do Karim Pesach year one. I must remember again, we didn't do Karim Pesach in the desert, right? They did it once in the desert. So maybe they just didn't do it that first year either. Well, the only problem is the Pasuk says they offer the Karim Pesach, right? So, say, so the Gemara is quoting over here from two different psukim. Okay, Maskif Pesach, 
Maybe this was a different kind of Pesach. In other words, we'll say, maybe this Pesach they did uncircumcised. In other words, we'll say, maybe this was just an exception. In other words, this was such a unique circumstance that maybe it was a Pesach haba bituma. Now we'll say, I'm sorry, not uncircumcised, excuse me. Maybe it was a Pesach that they did in a state of tuma. Now we'll say, remember again, we have a concept of tuma hutshrub at Sibar. So you're, we're assuming that there was a sprinkling of the waters of Paraduma. Maybe not, maybe not, maybe that year they did the Pesach in a state of ritual impurity. And therefore, again, they got Brismila, but there was no Hazah. To which the Lord only Papa, Tanya Beheja. There's an explicit price. What does the price say? Malu v'tavlu va'asu pischein v'tara. The Bible says at the end of the day, there, right, the price says explicitly, they did bris milah, they went to the mikvah, and ultimately that first year that they entered into Eretz Yisrael, they did their carbon Pesach in Eretz Yisrael, right outside of Yericho, in a state of ritual purity. So again, so halacha is just the Gemara saying, and this is very interesting, and we'll say the Rabbi codifies this. Rabbi codifies this, that if you have someone who's an RL for whatever the reason, and he becomes ritually impure, and he wants to become purified from his RL status, halacha so you can go ahead and do the sprinkling of the para aduma about, upon such an individual. And we don't say that his arelos blocks his ability to become ritually pure. Which of us said goes back to what you saw in the Hashkafic sense, goes back to you saw that we spoke about yesterday. If you think about this in just a moment, you have you have two levels of tumma. You have two levels of tumma, right? What are the two levels of tumma in this case? Arelos, which which we look at as almost like a form of tumma, and Arla. I'm sorry. Yeah, Arelos, I'm sorry, Arelos and Tumas Mace. And Tumas Mace. So the Havamina is What's the point of getting rid of Tomas Mace if you still have Arelos, right? Or perhaps an inability, Kamash Malon. No, even if Arelos is still there, you can still get rid of Tomas Mace. I will say in a profound Hashkafic level, it's not all or nothing in the pursuit of Tara, right? It's not all or nothing in the pursuit of ritual purity. If it was all or nothing in the pursuit of personalistic Tara, then most of us would simply remain tummy for the duration of our lives. Sometimes I can't fix everything. You say it differently. At no time can I fix everything. But, every, but almost at all times, I can fix something. And sometimes we, we, we kind of come into this erroneous mindset that if I can't fix everything, then it's not worth doing anything. Right? If I can't go ahead and render myself totally ritually pure, if I can't get rid of the Arelos and the Tomas Mace, then what's the point of getting rid of any level of Tumah? Kamash no, life is not an all or nothing. Right? The enemy is the perfect, sorry, the perfect is the enemy of the good. That at the end of the day, sometimes if you could take care of some problems, even if there are many others that still remain, that is still an incredible accomplishment. Incredible. But also, let's go back to Amrav Barav Yitzchak Amrav. Lo nitna priyas mila li Avram avinu. Shnei marba isi Amrav Hashem. So let's talk about this for just a moment. Bris mila itself is comprised of really three different parts. But for our purposes, we'll talk about two. There is the what we call mila. Mila ultimately is the cutting of the foreskin. Is the cutting of the foreskin, which is a thicker layer of upper skin. And then there's what the Gemara calls Priya. Priya is after you remove the foreskin, there's still a thinner membrane. That's the removal of that membrane. So the Gemara says over here, interestingly enough, 
that Priya, the removal of the thin membrane, was not given to Avram Avinu. That Avram Avinu is bris mila, and it sounds like Avram Avinu, not just Avram Avinu, but Avram Avinu, like through the generations up until Yoshua, really only had what we call mila, but didn't have Priya, didn't necessarily have the removal of the thinner membrane. So the Gemara says, Shneemar, <speaking in Hebrew> said, listen to this. The passage that the Gemara is quoting over here is as follows. <speaking> in that moment when Klal Yisrael came into Eretz Yisrael, Hashem says to Yoshua, <speaking in Hebrew> Make for yourself sharpened stones. <speaking in Hebrew> sharpened stones. <speaking in Hebrew> and circumcise the Jewish people. Shainis. Then I will say, second Shainis means what? Second time. So it's interesting because again, I will say, what, what's, what's Pasha Pshat? What's Pasha Pshat? Pasha Pshat, Pasha Pshat is, Shainis refers to the fact, when was the last time that, we're going to see, when was the last time that Klai Israel did a Brismila? Amazing. The last time we did a Brismila? In Egypt. In Egypt. Before we left Mitzrayim. So Shainis is, that was the first time there was a national Mila. Now we're going to, Hashem says to Yoshua, perform another national mila. The Gemara is also understanding that shenis means two brises. In other words, when you circumcise them, make sure that it's a double bris. What's a double bris? A double bris, again, is the foreskin, what we'll call the mila, and then also the thinner membrane. So the Gemara says, V'dilma hanach dela maho, so maybe the passage means like this. Maybe Shainis means ultimately that there were those who were circumcised and those who were uncircumcised. In other words, maybe coming into Eretz Yisrael, not all of the Jews, not all of the Jews were circumcised. Right? So maybe just Shainis just means is referring to that group that was uncircumcised. my shuv. If that's the case, why does the passage say shuv again? Ella love Priya. Rather, it must be referring to Priya. And it's telling us that Halacha Lamaisa, again, they had to remove the thinner membrane. Umay Shainis. Umay Shainis. And ultimately, what does it mean? Second. La Kushe Sof Mila Latrilas Mila. Shainis is really fascinating. The Gemara is telling us that Shainis refers to the second stage of Mila. That whereas the first stage of Mila is the removal of the foreskin, right? The, what we'll call the upper thicker skin. The shein is the second part is the removal of the membrane. And what is the Gemara teaching us? What is the Pasuk teaching us? It's coming, to, it's coming to compare second stage of Mila to the first stage of Mila. Matrilas Mila Ma'akeves. Just like the first stage of Mila ultimately is Ma'akev. Af sof Mila Ma'akvinbo. So I will say just like the removal of the primary foreskin. And it is a necessary part of the Mila, so to a removal of the membrane is a necessary part of the Mila as well. Disnan. Ha-mila. So I will say the Gemara talks about the tzitzin ma'akvinasamila, which means if 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 through the brismila or if after the brismila, there are like tzitzin. Tzitzin are like little pieces of skin that are left on the makom mila. So what so we'll say if there's enough of them left, or certain areas that they're left in, they could undermine. They can undermine the effectiveness of the Mila. For example, if there is flesh, if there is, right, if there is skin left on the Atara, right, which is the, the tip, ultimately, again, that could prevent a person, if he's a coin, from eating Truma, because he's considered an Aral. 
We're talking about flesh if there's skin that is left, that covers. Literally the majority of the height of the tip, that would go ahead and render a person an RL, even though, again, there's plenty of the, of the foreskin that has been removed, if there's enough that's left that it covers the majority of the height, right, of the tip, ultimately, again, that undermines the, the effectiveness of the Mila. Good. So, we'll say, so here's what we have so far. Fact number one is that even if you're an RL, even if you're an RL, you could go ahead and be sprinkled with the waters of the Para Aduma, and that could go ahead and, and that could go ahead and, uh, free you from your Tomas Mace. Fact number two, interestingly enough, and we'll say the proof to that was Yoshua and Klal Yisrael. Once, once we're talking about that, the Gemara also says Priya. Mila is made up of two parts, removal of the upper foreskin and the removal of the membrane. Interestingly enough, the removal of the membrane only came into effect apparently with Yoshua's entry into Eretz Yisrael. Bris Mila beforehand just was comprised of what we call Mila, but did not have Priya. Interesting. We'll say also we know historical facts. Klal Yisrael came in on the 10th of Nisan. And again, that was the first carbon Pesach performed in Old Club in 40 years. So let's go back there. We'll say a little bit more on this topic. Really fascinating. So Amarav, Amarav, Amarav. I'm sorry. Midbar, second to last line. Midbar, my time Here's what's interesting. We're taking it for granted that Klal Yisrael did not do Brismila in the deserts. Why not? Why not? We'll say, which by the way, if you think about it, is like, is like overwhelmingly amazing. Bris Mila is the most fundamental covenantal sign between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael, right? That's why, again, already in Avram Avinu, before Matan Torah, Avram Avinu is already circumcising. You, it's amazing to think Klal Yisrael does Mila as a way of leaving Mitzrayim, right? Mila was part of the exit ticket, right? It was part, it was part of, the, of that covenantal sign. And then for four decades, for four decades, no one's doing Bris Mila. Which, which, which is wilder, we'll say, in other words, no other time in the history of the Jewish people have you ever had a lapse in a mitzvah like that. For four decades, the Gemara says, by the way, why aren't they doing Mila in the desert? So the Gemara says, So we'll say, this goes back to what we said before. One possibility was because of travel. So we'll say, since again, the 40 years in the desert, although Rashi in the beginning of Dvarim points out to us, you know, sometimes we have this image of Klal Yisrael being this nomadic people, right, trudging all along the desert. We actually traveled very little over the course of our time. We were stationary most of the time. But nevertheless, it was a quote-unquote nomadic existence. So because it was a nomadic existence, there's chulsha, chulsha da'archa, literally weakness of the journey. We don't give brismila in a state of journey. So that's one possibility. Vibay Yisrael, we'll say other possibility, top of Ayin Beis, Vibay Mishum Noshev Luhu Ruach Tzvonis. This is incredible. It was said because all the time that we were in the desert, the northern wind did not blow. Now look at Rashi. Ruach Tzvonis, Rashi says, Nocha, the Ruach Tzvonis is a, is a calming wind. Lochama volotzonanes vechama zorachas. So I will say the northern wind, it's not hot, it's not cold, and it allows the wind, it allows the sun to shine. So apparently the presence of the northern wind is necessary, has therapeutic powers, and is helpful for when there is bris milah. So all the years that we were in the desert, there was no northern wind. So the Gemara says, why was there no northern wind? All the 40 years we were in the desert, the northern wind did not blow. My time, 
Rebbe will say, what's the reason for that? Rebbe will say, one possibility was we were punished. Now, Rebbe will say, Nizufin means rebuked. We were rebuked by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, that, and the rebuke took the, one of the ways in which the rebuke took, the, took form was no northern wind. No northern wind. Rebbe will say, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Third line down, Rashi says, Rashi says, so first of all, I want to point out, look at Rashi. Here's what's amazing. The sun was never, right? They never saw the sun for 40 years, right? So because the northern wind, because the northern wind never blew, therefore by definition, there was no, the sun, the sun's rays were not upon them. Now, why did this happen? Possibility one is Hashem was upset. Hashem was angry. They were rebuked. Why? Look at Rashi. Listen to this. Hashem was upset because of the Egel, because of the golden calf, and because as a result of the golden calf, they did not receive the sun's rays. They did not receive the sun's rays. Now, I'll point out something very interesting. If you take a quick look to the left at Tosis, Tosis says, so Tosis disagrees. Tosis says, no, but Tosis agrees they did not have a northern, sun, a northern wind, and therefore, again, there was no sunlight during the 40 years in the desert, but not like Rashi. Rashi says it was, it was a result of Maisa Egel. Tosis says it wasn't the Egel, it was the Meraglim. It was the Meraglim. So listen to this. He goes on. He says, Shari machalam HaKadosh Baruch Hu v'amr lahem salachti she'achar kach na'asem mishkan v'hishra shechinasa b'neihem. Why, Sistosis? Because Hashem forgave us for the Egel. Hashem forgave us for the Egel. What's the Raya? What's the Raya? The Raya is, we built a mishkan v'asuli mikdash Hashem says, so dwell within us. So therefore, Tosis says, it can't be the eagle, that's be the Meraglim. I asked the Chassam Sofer, but Hashem forgave us for the Meraglim also, right? To which the Chassam Sofer says, the forgiveness for the Meraglim is not the same as the forgiveness for the eagle. For the eagle, for the eagle, there was a certain degree of complete forgiveness. For the Meraglim, I will say, for the Chita Meraglim, there was an element of partial forgiveness. But the residual effect of the Chayit HaMeraglim, says the Chassam Sofer, is felt to this day. Which is also just interesting, by the way, in the world of forgiveness, how there's different levels of forgiveness. Because we know it's from our own lives. Sometimes someone wrongs you, and you could fully forgive. Fully forgive. Believe Shalim. Other times, you forgive, but there is still a res- strong residual impact from the act, I don't, I don't bear animosity. I don't bear, I'm not angry at you, but I don't like you, right? I don't, I don't like you, or I really want nothing to do with you. So it's a forgiveness with the residual impact. So it's amazing to see how these two models of forgiveness are, are modeled by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's Chet Egel, which represents a complete absolution, complete forgiveness. And then there's Chet Maraglim. I forgive you, I love you, but I'm really hurt by what you did. And that trauma to the relationship is not healed. It's not healed. And it's not healed, it was incredible, to this very day. Okay, in any event. So we'll say, Salach whichever hate it was, the result was no Ruach Tzvonis, no northern wind, therefore no sun. And because no northern wind, no sun, Mila 
would have been dangerous. Mila would have been dangerous. So the Gemara says, So again, why is there no northern wind? Either because it's a form of rebuke. But see, this is actually very interesting. The other possibility is, you know why there was no northern wind? Because we'll say, what, what, what does wind do? What does wind do? It scatters clouds. I will say, Kaddish Baruch Hu was surrounding us with clouds. Those clouds were there for our protection. And therefore, again, if there was a northern wind, the protective clouds would have been scattered. I will say, it's such a fascinating statement because the clouds were miraculous, right? So what do you mean the northern wind would have scattered them? Okay, I will say, I'll just point out how incredible is this? You know, I will say, sometimes things happen in life. And it's interesting to see how the same event could be looked at as a form of rebuke or a form of bracha. So there's no northern wind, and therefore, again, the sun doesn't break through the cloud cover. Is that a form of divine rebuke for the chatam we've committed? Or at the end of the day, is it a form of bracha? Hashem wants to protect us, right? He wants to keep the cloud cover around us because that was our form of protection from natural elements and from external enemies during our time in the desert. And I'll say, what a musr, because there's so many times in life that things happen to us, and sometimes we automatically look at them through a particular lens, but it is interesting to see how the various events in life can maybe be understood even in dramatically opposite ways. Okay, in any event, the goes weiter. So I'll say, Hilchach, so I'll say, so again, here's what we have. Here's what we have. Here's what we know. Kalal Yisrael did not circumcise in the desert. That, that's what we know. There was no bris milah in the desert. That's for sure. That's for sure. Why? Because there was no ruach tzifonis. And because no ruach tzifonis, therefore, again, no sunlight. They were covered by, we'll say, cloud cover. Cloud cover. For 40 years. Why was there no ruach tzifonis? So again, I will say, that seems to be machlokas. Either, well... There was, there was no Ruach Tzifonis, either because they were Nizufim, right? Ibai Seima, because ultimately, again, Nizufim, or so either because it was a form of rebuke or it was a form of protection. Hashem didn't want to scatter the clouds. Whatever the reason, there was no Mila in the Midbar. So for 40 years, Rabbi no Mila, which means the first national Mila that occurred is when we entered into Eretz with Yoshua. Incredible. So Rabbi Sayyid is actually very interesting. Rabbi Papa, Rabbi Papa says, Hilchach. Therefore, halacha lemaisa yoma deiva v'yoma deshusa lo mahalinan be v'lo misarchinan be. So, we'll say the Gemara says something absolutely amazing. The Gemara says, therefore, what do you see from here? One should not do a bris on a cloudy day. That's yoma deiva, cloudy day, and yoma deshusa is a day in which the southern wind blows. Because the southern wind, Rashi points out over here, Vihikasha, is a difficult wind. So therefore, again, we don't do brismila on cloudy days and southern wind days. I, but, but we do, but we do. I will say, by the way, Molomazachin also means we don't do bloodletting. We don't do bloodletting. Vaha'idna didashu beirabim shomer pesayim Hashem. So I will say, this is such a fascinating sugi in and of itself, which we're not going to have time to get into. But I will say, there is a concept, there is a concept that there are certain things that may be inherently dangerous. But once ultimately, again, they're done, they're done, it's called Dashu Rabin. Since it's saying that people do, there's an element of Shomer Pesayim Hashem. Hashem protects simple people. In other words, said, this is an extreme example, but just, just to give you, like, if you take a look, like, there is a certain da- statistical danger associated with driving, or a certain statistical danger associated with flying. I, I have a mitzvah, 
I have to watch, I have to be careful with my health, I have to be careful with my life. I say, how am I allowed to engage in activities that have a certain level of inherent danger? And I will say, what's the answer? The answer is that when you see that there is a practice that normal people engage in, that's called dashu rabin. literally the, the, the public has trampled upon it, has trampled upon it. So once you see a practice that people engage in, there is assumed to be a certain level of divine protection. Shomer Pesayim Hashem. So the Gemara says, what are you going to do? We're going to start looking for days in which there's a northern wind. There's a northern wind and the biometric pressure is this and the, right, and the temperature is between 65 and 70, right? And this, and there's no southerly wind. Come on. Come on, we can't do it. We can't do it. See, both side, the desert was a very controlled situation, right? So you, you could do certain things or not do certain things there. But again, the Gemara says, this has become Dashu Rabim. People do Brismila on any type of day with any type of weather. And therefore, Shorim Pesayim Hashem, Hashem goes ahead and watches over simple people. Which I will say, also, we have to move back to it, but there's so much to say about this, that sometimes the simpler we are in our Yiddishkeit and the simpler we are in our Emunah, and the simpler we are in our Devekos Bashem, the greater level of relationship we get to enjoy. Because sometimes just a simple willingness to commit to the Ribbon Shalom without deep theological philosophies or understanding or recognition that I'm not going to understand things, but I give myself over to Ribbon Shalom. I'm Zoha to a Shmiri, I'm Zoha to an additional level of divine providence and protection. Incredible. Turn around, on. We'll say it's incredible. Call Osan Arbon Shashay Yisabamid, but all four years that we were in the desert, Lo Haya Yom Shalo Nashbu Bo Ruach Tsfonis Bachatsi Halayla. So I'll say this is wild. We just got finished saying, we just got finished saying that all the years in the desert, there was no northern wind. Now the Gemara says, all 40 years that we were in the desert, the northern wind blew every day at midnight. At midnight. Now this is interesting. Now the Gemara says, the Gemara says, because how do you know this? Because the Pasuk says, at midnight, Hashem did makas pechoros. Okay, Hashem did makas pechoros, ruach, tzafonos, what does one thing have to do with the other? My tamuda, hakamash molon de esratzon milsehi. I will say this is incredible. The fact that Hashem, the fact that Hashem did Makas Pechoros at midnight, and again, that was the culmination of our exodus from Egypt, indicates that's what I will say the idea of Eistratzen. I will say Eistratzen means that there are some times that lend themselves a bit more to divine salvation. Eistratzen, right? Literally a time of, of divine goodwill. So the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did Makas Pechoros at Chatzos indicates to us that Chatzos is a time that is ripe for divine mercy. It becomes an Isratzon, a time of divine goodwill. And therefore, again, the Gemara suggests, like again, that happened in Mitzrayim, it must have happened every night in the desert as well, so that there was a little bit of a northern wind every night at Chatzal. So I will say, it's possible that the Gemara is just reflecting two different opinions about what happened in Ruach Tzaphonis, or even the opinion who said that Ruach Tzaphonis did not blow, it didn't blow by day. It didn't blow by day, but it blew for a little bit at night, highlighting the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was upset with us, but ultimately, again, still the Ruach Tzaphonos. We look at Rashi, Eis Ratzon Melsehi, V'cheven dechatzos halayla Eis Ratzon havi lemakos pechoros, havinami Eis Ratzon l'Ruach Tzaphonos. Since Chatzos was established as an Eis Ratzon, ultimately for Makos Pechoros, therefore it became an Eis Ratzon ultimately for Ruach Tzaphonos as well. Ve'im l'chayom, Shuruach Tzaphonos, in menasheh v'sbo b'chatzi halayla, 
Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, the Gemara David Amalek used to hang a harp above his bed, and it was his alarm clock because the ruxophonus would blow at Chatzos and would make music on the strings of the harp. If you skip down a little bit in Rashi, Rashi says over here, Rashi says, Listen to this. Even though we just got finished saying that the Ratzvonus, the northern wind, did not blow by day, so why is it blowing at Chatzos at night? To show that even when Hashem is angry at us, even when He's angry, He still loves us. Just like a parent, right? A parent can be very angry at a child. But at the end of the day, the love that the parent has for the child is absolutely wholly intact. Hashem is angry at us. He's upset at us. Something, but the love is still intact. How did He show us that the love is still intact? By having the east, the northern wind blow at Chatzos. At Chatzos. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Okay, fine. We're, we're done with this. We'll say now another interesting discussion when it comes to Mila. Listen to this. Amrav Huna, Devar Torah, Mashuch Ochel Betshuma. So let's listen to this. A Mashuch. What's a Mashuch? Look at Rashi. Mahul Shenim Shecha Arlasa Vekista Satara. So we'll say this is a case of a person who had bris Mila, but then some of the other skin in the Makoma Ever was, was stretched, and therefore the skin hangs down over the atara, over the tip. So a person looks uncircumcised. That's the case of Masha. So just to be clear, the person is circumcised, but again, because the skin, I guess, other skin had become stretched, therefore, halacha lamaisa, he looks uncircumcised. So what's his status? So if Huna says, midaraisa, such a person could eat shuma, it's not an aral. Umidivreyem gazra ala But midrabanon, Chazal said, such a person should not be able to eat shuma because he looks like an RL. So we'll say, let's analyze this. Meisvei, mashuch, sarach sheimo. Bryce says, a mashuch has to have a meal. In other words, he has to cut away the excess skin. To which we'll say, it sounds like midaray. So to says, no, 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 midrabanan. Midrabanan. Midrabanan, he needs to cut away the excess skin so that he should not look like he is an RL. I, vitikarli my karla. So we'll say, the one who posed the question, what was his havamina? Hatsarich katani. The Bazik says you have to. The Bazik says, so Tzarek sounds like Tirabanon. So what's the Havamina of the question to make it sound like that is Chayv Daraisa? Here we go. Katay B'Seifa. His mistake was, what the, was, was with the end of the Bryce. Oh, I was the end of the Bryce. Rabbi Huda Omer, Lo Yimo Mipnesha Sakane Hilo. Rabbi Huda says, no, no, no. We don't want people doing a second Mila, right? Because doing a second Mila, even on stretched skin, could pose a potential Sakana. The Bazik says, what's the Sakana? The Sakana is, if you end up cutting in the wrong place, Rashi says you can become a Krus Shavcha, right? So we'll say Krus Shavcha is someone, again, where the semen, right? The Zara does not shoot out with force. Such a person is not permitted to go out and marry into the normative pool. So Rabbi essentially says, listen, if you had a bris you had a bris we're done, we're done. The fact that you have excess skin that covers the atar, that covers the tip, and makes you look like an, an RL, leave it alone, leave it alone. The Yomar says, one second, it's not Sakana. Vahalo harbe malu bimei ben koziba. Wow. Rebose says the Gimara. there were many people who cut away excess skin, who had bris mila, but then cut away excess skin, essentially another mila, during the days of bar koziba. We'll say bar koziba is bar kochva. 
What is this referring to? Well, say, look at Rashi. This is incredible. Say, listen to this. When the Romans were in charge of Betar, they legislated upon the Jews no brismila. And for those Jews who had brismila, they forcibly stretched the skin of these Jews to make it to, so that the skin would hang down over the tip, over the makomila, and make them look uncircumcised. When there was the Bar Kokhva revolt, remember Bar Kokhva led the rebel, the, a re- revolt against the Romans, and he was successful for holding on to Betar for two and a half years. One of the first orders of business is all the men, quote unquote, recircumcise themselves. I will say, just to be clear, it's not actually a recircumcision. What they're doing is, is they're cutting away excess skin to allow the Makomila to be seen. So they did this, and there wasn't a sakana, there was no danger. So they were voli, voli, and voli, the, 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 the raya was they were able to have children afterwards. The pas says himo yimo, which means you have to circumcise as many times as it takes. And the pasik says they have an old my covenant. This refers to someone who purposely extends the skin over the makomila to make him look himself look like he's uncircumcised. My vaomer v'chitema hai v'chitema hai himo yimo l'rabos tisin amakvin es amila. Maybe you'll say himo yimo comes to teach you that if you left behind shreds of skin that can validate the mila tashmas brisi hefer l'rabos es l'rabos es hamoshuch who suffer midikanos of leashas kra. I see. So we'll say originally, ultimately he thought that because the Gemara is bringing a Pasuk, therefore it must be that the obligation of a Mashuch to go in and cut away excess skin is a Din Daraisa. For he, ultimately this is not true. Midrabanon is simply Midrabanon. Ukra Asmachta Ba'ama. And the Pasuk is an Asmachta. So I will say, this is how he passed in Allah Chalamaisa, that ultimately a Mashuch, so I will say, so to be clear, a Mashuch is a man who had a brismila, he had a brismila, right? What happened? Skin became extended, skin became stretched, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and now the skin hangs down, covers the makomila to make him look like he is uncircumcised. Midda oraisa, such a person does not need to do anything. Midrabanon, he has to cut away the excess skin in order to make himself look totally circumcised, that he should not look like an RL. So the oraisa, fine, Midrabanon cut away the extra skin. Says the Gemara, Meseh, Reza Kasha, here we go. Tumtum, ain't ocha betshuma, a tumtum. I was saying, I remember again, who's the tumtum? This is a person whose sexual organs are covered by a membrane. He's not allowed to eat shuma. Now I will say, why is he not allowed to eat shuma? Let's think about this. Why is he not allowed to eat shuma? Because he may be a man, and if he's a man, then what? He's uncircumcised, right? <coughs> Excuse me. He's an oral. So he's not allowed to eat shuma. In Ochabut Shuma. Nashav, his wives, right? Avadov, his servants. We'll talk about his wives in just a moment. Avadov, his servants. Ochlin, they're, 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 allowed, they're allowed to eat. They're allowed to eat. Mashuch, here we go. What about a mashuch? The nola kishumo, or someone who's born circumcised. Hare elu ochlin. They're allowed to eat shuma. They're allowed to eat shuma. Androgynous. Ochal truma, an androgynous kid eat truma, vein ochal bekachim, but an androgynous can't eat kachim, can't eat karbanos, because an androgynous may be a woman. Right? Tumtum, eno ochal lobe truma, velobe kachim. A tumtum can't eat truma, nor can he eat kachim. So the Gemara says, katani mihas. So we'll say, let's leave out everyone else right now. Who are we focused on? We're all about mashach all the time. All mashach all the time. So the Gemara says, katani mihas, mashach, 
V'nolot kishumol, hare'elu ochlin. Now we'll say, what do you see from here? You see from here that Allah so a mashuch, right? And someone who, who is born, who is born circumcised, are able to eat shuma. So we'll say, what this sounds like is, that halacha a mashuch doesn't have to do anything. Doesn't have to do anything. So tiyofta de rafuna, tiyofta, this refutes rafuna, because rafuna said that a mashuch does have to go ahead and cut away the excess skin. So tiyofta de rafuna, tiyofta, this seems to go ahead and refute the position of rafuna. So rabosai, even though the gemara sounds like it's refuting the position of rafuna, in fact, we paskin lahalacha like rafuna, namely, midda oraisa, the mashuch is absolutely fine. He is considered to be circumcised. Midrabanon, Midrabanon, we want him to cut away the excess skin so that he should not look like an RL. Good. So we'll say, let's go back to this. Amar Mar, Tumtum eno ochal lubitruma, nasha vavadum ochlem. So we'll say, so the Brice has said, a Tumtum is not permitted to eat truma, but his wives can eat truma. So the Gemara says, nasha vlutumtum minale, how is a Tumtum able to get married? Maybe you'll say, well, in other words, he gave, he went over to a woman and he gave her kiddushin. He gave her kiddushin. Okay, disanyo tumtum shekidesh kiddushav kiddushin. So there was niskadesh kiddushav kiddushin. Eimar lechumra. Look, because we learned, we learned that Allah alamaisa, even though a tumtum should not get married, right? If he does, if he does, his kiddushin is effective. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Eimar da amr lechumra. So what does what it mean when we say that it's Kiddushab, is Kiddushab? We'll say, what does that mean? What does that mean? That he has to give his wife a get, right? L'chumra, but l'kula, to say that he can go in and get married and that his wife is going to eat truma, that she can't say, mi'arminon, safek ishahu. But we'll say at the end of the day, a tumtum is a safek isha. The ain isha miskadesh as isha. Popular, right? Contrary to popular opinion. Hey, right? we'll say, so again, sa'alach alamaysa, a woman can't marry a woman, right? Sahalach lamaisa again, the Gemara says over here, so the tumtum is a safek isha, tumtum is a, and therefore again, isha cannot marry another isha. Um, Rabaye, what's the case? Kisha baits of nikaros. This is interesting, I was saying. So a different case, a case, a different case of, a different case of tumtum. This is a case of where, again, his testicles are outside of the membrane, but again, the aver is inside. So I was saying, in this case over here, He's really a man. Right? In other words, we know he's a man. Problem is, he's an RL, right? Because we can't circumcise him. To which the Gemara says, Rava Amar Main Nashav. So, so we'll say that's, that's Abayi's case. Abayi says, Abayi's case, that's the case of Tumtum who could be married. So technically speaking, if a Tumtum like that, where baits have right to baits him, are seen, Se'enachinami, in that case, he could technically be Mekadesh and Isha. Rava says, no, 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 Main Nashav. What's the case ultimately again of his wives? Emo. Somebody's not talking about his wife, somebody's his mother. His mother. Emo Pshita. So I don't understand. So again, what is he talking about? Let's say again, his mother is a Basi Swallow married a Kohen. They have a child, a son. That son is a tumtum. So the tumtum allows his mother to go and eat truma. Okay, so Mar says Pshita, what's what's the Kiddish? So what would you have thought? Maudatema Molid Machil Shain Molid Shain Molid You might have thought that it's maybe only a son who's capable of having his own children that ultimately allows his mother to eat truma, but a child who's incapable of having children precludes his mother from eating truma. Kamash Mulam, that's not the case. Kamash Mulam will say any offspring allows the Basi Yisrael mother to continue to eat truma, even if that child can't have children of his own. So let's analyze Tashma. Tumtum can't eat truma and can't eat kadshim. 
according to Abayi, it's two different cases. First case is about an RL Vadai, which I will say that's the case ultimately where the Beit Sim are on the outside, right? We know it's a man, and therefore we know that his problem is that he's an RL. And ultimately, again, the Seifa is talking about a case of Suffolk RL. I will say, what's the case of Suffolk RL? Your classic Tumtum. I will say, who's your classic Tumtum? All sexual organs are inside the mirror. We have no idea about this guy. Two different cases. El Rava, Tumtum de Seifa Lamli. But I will say, according to Rava, why does the Bryson need to mention Tumtum at the end again? My Tumtum RL. What's a Tumtum? It could be again, the Bryce is using the Lashon ultimately of RL. Hashta, Suffolk RL, Ochel, Vade, RL, Ochel. So I'll say, I don't understand. If you already told me that a Suffolk RL doesn't eat Shuma, then doesn't it go without saying that a Vade RL is not going to eat Shuma? So the Mars says, Matam Kamar. It's Matam. Matam Tumtum, Eno, Ochel, but Shuma. Bryce is just simply explaining itself. Why is it? That a tumtum can't eat truma, my time ain't right. Mipnesha suffic arahu. Ultimately, because he is a suffic arel, the arel ain't no ochel, loba truma of loba kachim. And a arel ultimately, again, can't eat by truma or by kachim. I lima kitanoi. So maybe this whole thing is a homachlokis tanoi. We're going back now. We're going back now to mashach. We're back to mashach. Maybe mashach, the status of a mashach, is in and of itself a machlokis tanoi. Here we go. So the Gemara says, so why mashach? If you have a mashuch, I will say, remember again, mashuch, the guy was circumcised, but the skin is extended. Or no kishumal, the gershin is kari kishumal. Or you have a ger, I will say, here's an interesting case. What about a person who converts and he's already circumcised? Rashi says, for example, so yesterday's death, an Arabi, right, an Arab, or givonim, they were doing mila, so they converted once they already had a bris mila. The katan sha'avar zmano, or a katan rabose after the eighth day. Eighth day passed, he's loving, giving him a mila. Ushar kalanimulim, and all other circumcised people. La suye mish yeshlosh tearelos. And this comes to include someone who has two foreskins. Eina nimulin ela bayom. Rabose, all of these people could only be circumcised by day. So, Rabose, so again, everyone we just mentioned, including the mashuch, requires a brismila, requires a brismila, and the mila could only be done by day. Rabbi Shimon says, no, no, no. Bismano, when the mila is being done in the appropriate time, so we'll say, let's say, for example, eighth day, any mulin elabayom. Then you only do brismila by day. Shalom bismano, when the mila is not being done in its appropriate time, nimulin bayom ubalayla, then mila could be done anytime. Anytime. Shabbosai, what's going on over here? My love, the Hakim Ethic. Shabbosai, aren't they arguing at the following point? The Mars Sovereign, Shabbosai, so let's just zero in on one case over here. Right? So, first opinion says, Shabbosai, first opinion says that Allah Chalamaisa, a mashuch requires a mila, right? A mila. And Shabbosai, by the way, you know when we call it a mila, it's not really a mila, right? Because mila specifically re- refers to removal of foreskin. In this case, when we say the mashuch needs a mila, what's being removed? What's being removed? Right? Stretched skin, extra skin. But again, remember, to be clear, it's not, there's no foreskin. The foreskin is gone. So I will say, the bright, so first of all, the bright says, a mashuk has to have a mila, and the mila has to be done by day. By day. The second opinion, the second opinion, which was Rabbi Elazar Barab Shimon, holds, yes, a mashuk needs a mila, but that mila could be done when? When? Anytime. So what are they arguing about? Maila Bakam Eflugi, Demar Savar Mashuk Da'oraisa, Umar Savar Mashuk Dirabanan. Wow, here's the Machlokas. The opinion that says that a Mashuch has to have a Mila by day tells you that what? His Mila is Doraisa. 
And the other opinion that says a mashuk can have a mila anytime, that's a mila dirabanan. To which the with well, okay, that works for mashuk. What about the other cases? With Hizbara, katan sha'avaz mano, but if you have a cut, you have a situation where the eighth day passed and you didn't give the baby a mila for whatever the reason, right? But not a health reason. You just didn't get around to it. You couldn't find them all, whatever it is. Does anyone say that a baby past the eighth day is not a dindaraisa? You have to say everyone holds that a mashach has a chi of mila, but it's a chi of mila midrabanan, like we saw Rav Huna. And everyone also gives Rabosai that even if a baby didn't get his brismila on the eighth day, there is a still, of course, a biblical obligation to give that baby a brismila. So what's the machlokes? Listen to this. Here's the argument. Wow. Here's the machlokes, Rabosai. The Pasik, when it seeks out Brismila, says, Ubayom Hashmini So, and on the eighth day you shall circumcise. So we'll say, one opinion, Darshins, Ubayom. Look at Rashi, first Rashi of that, Marsavar Ubayom, Vav Yisir de Matsil Mikhtar Bayom Hashmini Yimo, Uksif Ubayom, Lasuya Mila Shalobismana. So we'll say, listen to this. The Pasik could have just said Bayom Hashmini. What is Ubayom? So opinion, first opinion says, Ubayom teaches me that whenever you're doing Mila, Mila has to be done when? If, uh, on the day, during the day, right? Whether, whether it's a Mila Bismana, Mila Shalom Bismana, Mila Daraisa, Mila Midirabanan. The Mila only takes place by day. So one opinion darshins Ubayom, and Umar Sabar, the other opinion says, no, we don't darshin Ubayom. And Ubayom, look at Rashi. So I'm say, Ubayom actually teaches me when Mila is done on the eighth day, that's the Mila that has to be done by day. But for any other mila, either a mila taking place after the eighth day or mila for a mashuch, those, those milos could take place when? Anytime, by day and by night. Kihadiyas Rabbi Yochanan the Kadarish. So let's listen to this. Rabbi Yochanan was once saying in Darshaning, no sar. Actually, an interesting similar case. No sar. Now, remember again, what's no sar? You have a carbon, you have leftover carbonic material, right? Leftover meat. So what's talacha? You have to burn it. No sar bismano. And on Israel, Elabayom. So we'll say, no, sir, in its appointed time. Now, we'll say, what does that mean? So remember again, let's say you can eat a particular carbon for uh, two days and one night, for argument's sake. Once the second day finishes, now it's no, sir. That's bismano. So no, sir, bismano, in on Israel, Elabayom, is only burnt by day. Shalom, bismano, we'll say, but if you leave no, sir, over even longer, right, then what? Nisraf, bin bayom, bin balayla. You can burn it by day and by night. So we'll say, you see a similar, Rabbi Yochanan over here is advancing a similar concept, which means when something has a window, if you're performing it in its prescribed window, its prescribed window, then what? Then it has to be done in that particular time. Once you've exited the window, it can be done anytime. So no, sir, should be burnt immediately by day. The first time it becomes no, sir. But if for some reason you didn't burn it that first day, then you could burn it both by day and by night. We're comparing that to Mila. Mila has to be done by day on the eighth day. Once you're post eighth day, or again, you're a case of a mashuch, then halacha lamaisa, you could do mila by day or by night. And Rabbi Lazar went ahead and raised the question to Rabbi Yochanan, So we'll say, so Rabbi Lazar before said, but one second, I only know, for example, bris mila on eighth day that has to be done by day. Sorry, letisha. 
Lasara, la chadasar, the shnei masaminayin. How do I know it says Rebbe Lazar? Rebbe says Rebbe Lazar, we just quoted before. Rebbe Lazar, right? How do I know that Alocha lemaisa, that even if the meal is being done on the ninth day, the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, that it also has to be done by day? So the Jewish Timur says, Tamil Lomar, Ubayom. Right, Pasi Zubayom. So Rebbe says, so Rebbe Lazar is pushing back, Rebbe Lazar is pushing back on Rabbi Yochanan, right? Pushing back on Rabbi Yochanan, and all says, Rabbi Yochanan, you're saying that sometimes having to do something by day only applies when you're doing it in the right time. Rabbi Loza says, I'll tell you that's not true. For example, by Mila, Ubayom teaches me that even if you're post eighth day, you still have to do the Mila by day. And Allah even the ones who don't normally dash in a vav, an extra vav, an extra vav, or an extra hey, will agree to this drush of ubayom. Ishtik. So also Rabbi Yochanan was silenced because he felt that Rabbi Lazar was, good, was saying good. Basar dinafik amalei Rabbi Yochanan reish lakish. So after, ultimately after he went out, Rabbi Yochanan said reish lakish, raisi leben pedas. I saw Rabbi Lazar ben pedas, ben pedas Rabbi Lazar. Raisi leben pedas sheyoshev edarish kimoshim ipi agvura. So let's listen to this. Rabbi Yochanan was so overwhelmed by Rabbi Lazar's wisdom, right? And Rabbi Lazar's mastery. He said, he said I saw Ben Pedas and he was sitting and darshaning. It must have been, I, the way I saw him must have been the way that Moshe Rabbeinu looked when he was learning the Torah in Harsina before HaKadosh Baruch What a compliment. Do you think that Rabbi Lazar is saying over his own Torah? Must nisihi. It's a b'raisa. Right? In other words, yeah, he's good. Don't get me wrong. The guy's good. The guy's good, right? But at the end of the day, it's not his own Torah that he's giving over. This is a Masni, so we learn this. So the Gemara says, really? Heicha Tanala, where could I find this? Right? Where could I find this? But Torah's calling him. He's in Torah's calling him. So Nafak Rabbi Yochanan went out. Tanya Bitlasa Yomi. Rabbi Yochanan learned the entire Torah's calling him. I will say in three days. Entire Torah's calling him in three days. And he mastered it in three months. Right? He learned the initial material in three days and he mastered it in three months. I'm Rabbi Lazar. So, we'll say, so again, so therefore, what you see over here is we'll see, you see Rabbi Lazar ben Pedas, right? Rabbi Lazar ben Pedas coming along and pushing back on Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan kind of espousing this idea that something only has to be done by day when it's being done in its original window. But once you leave the original window, then it can be done by day and by night. We wanted to apply this to, to Brismila. Rabbi Lozav Rabbi Dash is pushing back and saying, that's not true. That's not true. And even if it's true by Nosar, it's not going to be true by Brismila. Because by Brismila, what do you have? Ubayom Hashmini. And that Ubayom, that Ubayom at the end of the day, that Ubayom teaches us, that Mila must always be done by day. Mila must always be done by day. Halacha lemaisa again. Halacha lemaisa. Even if it's post the eighth day, it still has to be done by day. So we'll, we'll stop over here for a We're going to pick up again. I'll just mention this. I'll just read. Really, well, we're going to pick up now just with the with the with the bookend case, right? And the bookend case. Ultimately, we started with an RL going ahead and right being sprinkled upon. Now we're going to speak about, again, the case of an RL actually doing the sprinkling. Pick up with that case. And I will say, shkoyach.